0: My soul in sad I was out on life's sea, so burdened with sin and distress. ¡Gracias! Je
1: Field stand, we're going to sing together again. We're going to sing um, Reckless Love. And I just wanted to tell you before we sing it, I had somebody come and sing this to my FCA group, and they did such a good job of explaining it. And they said, you know, when you think of this, when you think of the title of the song, Reckless Love, like you, you don't think of reckless being an adjective for God, right? And he explained to our kids, he said, it's not God that's reckless, it's us who's reckless. And that's why the song's called Reckless Love, because it's talking about his overwhelming love. Looks over our recklessness, um, which kind of goes perfectly with the song Todd just sang about Him being our safe haven. Um, so we singing with us this morning as we sing "Reckless Love of God." You won't Heavenly Father God, Lord, what a sweet and promising and hopeful reminder, God, that there's no shadow we're going to go into that's too dark for you to come find us, God. Lord, there's no wall that you wouldn't literally kick down to get out of the way if it's standing in the way of me and you, God. Lord, how promising it is that that you're a safe haven for us, God, if we just seek you first, God, because Lord, I know I'm reckless, God, and there are so many things. Whether it be good things, God, that I'm doing for you or, or whether it be personal things that I'm not making time for, God. Lord, there's so many things in my life that I'm so guilty of putting ahead of you, God. And Lord, those things will always go wrong and never work out the way they should if you're not at the forefront. So, Lord, thank you for just the reminder this morning that you're our safe haven, God. And, and the reminder that even though I'm reckless, God, Lord, you are ever-omnificent um, and promising and loving, God. Lord, we just pray that you be with us as we open up your word to study this morning. May your words be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path, God. And may we be reminded, Lord, of just your power and mercy and grace. We love you and praise you and thank you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Kids are dismissed in the back for Children's Church. Ms. Erica.
2: Okay, as the children leave for children's ministry adults and others who remain. Please turn to Genesis chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. If you were here last week for homecoming, you're saying to yourself if you paid attention. Hey, he read those same verses last week. Genesis chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. You are correct. I did read these last week. I'm going to take an angle On these verses, though, dealing with the theme of rest, the rest of God, the perfect Sabbath rest of God. So, uh, if we handle it the way I'm handling it, uh, one text every two weeks, then this is (laughs) going to go from a walk through Genesis to a crawl through Genesis. (laughs) I don't foresee that happening, um, but we'll see how God leads. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. The first six days were declared very good because God, in His perfect, God in His perfect work, uh, has completed creation. So, let's see now what happens on on the seventh day. Genesis two one through three. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their hosts. And by the seventh day, God completed His work, which He had done, and He rested. He rested on the seventh day from all His work, which He had done. Then God not only rested, but notice what He did. He blessed the seventh day, and He sanctified it. So He's done something different with this day that He didn't do with the others. He blessed it. And he sanctified it. He set it apart and declared it holy. Because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Father, thank you for time today in which we can hear your word and worship you. And already, Father, praise you for your amazing, never-ending, powerful love. That we can enter into a haven of rest and a refuge along the way. In a difficult and at times discouraging and exhausting world. Father, we can find rest in you. And we're grateful for what you teach us. We're grateful for the wisdom you impart through your word. Help each one of us today by the power of your spirit align our personal lives with your holy will. That we would find our rest sufficiently and completely in you. And that we would seek to alleviate the unrest and discord and suffering of others. Because we have found rest in you. Help us to see that as well as we look into your word this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The rest of God, the perfect rest of God. If you're like me, you find rest at times elusive and evasive, but something that you desire really bad. I once went on a vacation with a couple of my cousins and my brother with my grandparents, and I almost titled the key takeaway from that vacation, my sermon this morning And it would be Let's just rest a minute <laughs> We were young children And we were on the go And my grandparents were older I don't even know what age they were I'm not even going to try to remember <laughs> But the one thing I remember my grandmother saying as we, as we went on that trip And we came back home Let's just rest a minute Do you know the feeling? Of course you do This morning, uh, I'm reflecting back on the weekend that that we just had, and here at Glenlock, there were two, or related to Glenlock, two great projects that we had going on. One was the the opening day of Glenlock soccer yesterday, and the feeling of getting finished, Gavin and Bryson, (laughs) with that opening day. Because there's so much work and preparation that goes into it. So much planning and so much stress. Is it going to go off again? Are we going to pull it off? Is it going to come together? And we're scrambling for all the sound system equipment and coaches and whistles and volunteers. And it's just chaotic. And then on the way home yesterday after our first day of Glenlock Soccer, There's just that feeling of satisfaction and rest that comes from a project that you wanted to go well, to do well, and and it's completed. You know the feeling you get when the exam is done, and you've done all you can do, and the the assignment is turned in, or the the difficult meeting is over, and you can just pull back and rest satisfied that we're going to just leave the results to God. I'll be honest, I can't believe Nancy and Richard Hunter are here this morning. (laughs) I was going to talk about y'all, and now you're here. (laughs) The other great event uh, this weekend was that Richard and Nancy's daughter Bonnie was married last night to Brett Marlowe. And I know you two are exhausted. (laughs) And so I was thinking that after the wedding... There could be no better rest than Richard and Nancy Hunter had last night after their daughter's wedding, which they hosted at their farm. And so much went into that, not just hours and weeks, but months and even years. So Richard and Nancy, I pray that you were able to enter into rest, okay? And I give you A-plus for the rest of the year for, for showing up this morning. I say all of that just to enter into this idea, okay? Hold this idea and let's think about it for just a minute. Imagine the perfect rest of God. As creation is complete, it is absolutely perfect, it lacks nothing, it is infinitely glorious and good, it is beautiful it is in harmony, it is finished, and He rests perfectly satisfied. Not because He's tired, but because now He steps back and and declares over that creation that it is very good, it is satisfying, it is pleasing. And I believe that God entered into a time of worshipful rest in pleasure over the glory of His creation. So my first point this morning as we think about a theme today, the dimensions of rest. Let's remember first that there is the perfect rest that God has in Himself. We need to think about that for a moment. Perfect rest exists, and it existed at the foundation of the world, and it existed in God Himself alone apart from, apart from anything that you or I could add to that perfect rest. And that's an important point. God rested satisfied and perfectly apart from anything that you or I may have added to it or taken away from it. Now the very first thing that God ever declares holy is a day not a mountain not a stream not a place God blessed the seventh day and he declared it to be holy the very first thing called holy in in all the universe is a day now what do you think he's communicating to us by that I think and I'll jump to the conclusion time is sacred Every day is sacred. One of the things that's different about this day is that there's no morning and evening. Every other day there was declared a morning and an evening, a morning and an evening. There's no end to this day. Because from the beginning, God's intention was that you and I would one day be able to enter into that perfect, holy, blessed rest that that exists in God alone. There's also not a God spoke on the seventh day because God didn't add anything to his creation by speaking it into existence on that day. So step back. Apart from you and me and anything we could do or add, creation was complete, it was perfect, it was whole, it lacked nothing, and you and I experience a bit of the image of God in us When we look at a project or we look at a song that we've completed or a sermon we've preached or a day and we say, Wow, (laughs) it's finished. I did the very best that I could. I know it's not perfect. I know there's work to do. But I'm going to rest for a moment and just sit back and let me just get lost in this for a few minutes. All right, let me just step away. And you know how sometimes you can have this feeling of, Oh, here it is. I typed it up. I could just sit here and lose all track of time. Periodically, God gives us a sense of that because ultimately it points to who He is. God is at perfect peace and perfect rest in Himself. Psalm 115.3, our God is in the heavens. He does whatever He pleases. He's never frustrated. He's never at unrest. Now we can grieve him, he has those, but God is never wringing his hands in heaven wondering how all this is going to be settled because we also learned last week that his works were finished already from before the foundation of the world. So when God rested here, God also had in mind that there's a better rest to come because this is just a model of a world and a vision of a world that's going to be far better and far exceedingly more glorious than this one that he rested in on the seventh day. Are you still with me? I know that sounds heavy theologically to a degree, but there's the rest that God has in himself. And our hymns sometimes come close to that. I called Todd first part of this week, or actually I texted, all right? We say that's communication now. Cause this song just kept coming to my mind, "The Haven of Rest," and I'll be honest, I always thought that was a funeral song. I, well, we're not having a funeral Sunday morning, so. But then, as I thought about that song, that's not a song for death. That's a song for life. And I hope you grasp that. So I called Todd, and Todd learned the song, and Todd got with Miss Joyce, and I hope you can rest now, Todd, because he did a. Uh, a well, job well done, brother. But we enter into the haven of rest long before we die physically. If we rest in Him. There is a place of quiet rest. Where is it, Him, him lovers? Near to the heart of God. So the clue to the meaning of the universe is found on that seventh day. Which leads me to my second point. God commands that we rest. Where do you find that? So there's the rest that God has, then there's the rest that God has commanded for us to have. Does anyone know where we are commanded to rest? It's in the Ten Commandments. In fact, it's the Fourth Commandment. And the Fourth Commandment is rooted in creation. And we are called to rest on the Sabbath and observe the Sabbath. Because in creation, God rested on the seventh day and entered into his rest. So now God lays on us the law of you better stop and you better rest and you better remember me. And that, that rhythm is woven into the fabric of our being. It's who we are. So let's think just for a moment about the rest that God commands in His law. Now one of the things that's going to expose in us is the fact that we don't rest well. The fall and sin resulted in alienation and unrest. So now we live in a world of restlessness. And that's why... As my grandmother said, it's very elusive and evasive, and sometimes we just want to rest a minute. But God commands rest to reveal to us our unrest. But let's think about the command just for a moment. God's command to rest was to stop, to not do any work. Because sometimes we get the idea that we are the ones who are upholding the universe, and it's all about me. If I refuse to stop, then I'm communicating to others, the world, and God that I'm running this show. Now, by this show, I may not mean the universe, but I at least mean my show and my life. Remember where perfect rest was? It existed outside of us and apart from us and for us. So my resting is to stop my work and rest in Him as creator and sustainer and as providential superintendent over my life and the universe. If I refuse to stop and rest, I don't know who I am. When I stop and rest, I discover from His word and His people and His church who I am. That's why the second point under number two is to remember that it's not about us. Life revolves around Him and His work and to reflect. This is a day on which we are called to share in what is eternal in time, to turn from the results of creation to the mystery of creation And from the world of creation to the creator of the world. Well, if we don't stop and reflect, we will begin to think that it's about the creation instead of what? The creator. And that's what Paul said in Romans 1. We want to worship the creator and never the creation. And then, of course, renewal. All the other days should be spiritually consistent with the day of days, which is the Sabbath. So when God commands rest, it is exposing in us our lack of rest apart from God. That something has gone wrong. That we are alienated from God and His will. We are alienated from one another. And we are alienated from the purpose for which God created us. And the law exposes that and demonstrates God's perfect character and drives us to Christ. Drives us to Christ. If you're like me, it's difficult to stop and rest, and there are several reasons why. One is our increasing pace of change, that everything's moving so fast, and change is happening so fast. You look one direction, you turn the next, and everything has changed. There's an infinite number of choices now available to us more than ever before, and we are frustrated by the lack of not being able to exercise every choice that we have, and so there's frustration. And then our appetites are insatiable. There's never enough. Proverbs says the eyes of man are never full. All of this a result of the fall and sin. So there's the rest that God has in himself. There's the rest that God commands in us. Here's the good news in number three. There's the rest that God has achieved on our behalf. The law was a setup. The law is a conspiracy. To reveal in us our sin and our unrest to drive us to Christ. So what kind of rest did God achieve in Jesus? Let's think about the gospel for a minute. What did God do for us in Christ? Christ came down, okay, the Word became flesh and left momentarily perfect rest and entered into this crazy world, right? And what did he experience while he was here? We know for a fact that he became very tired and exhausted. Not only in his daily life where we learned that he said the Son of Man has No place to lay his head. Meaning what? I mean, he didn't have a place of permanent rest here. The Son of Man was always on the go. And periodically he would pull away and pray to his Father and draw strength and and renewal from his prayer time with his Father. But let's be sure that his life was an experience of exhaustion and tiredness. And not only that, but specifically the cross, he experienced extreme violence and unrest. Think about how hostile the religious leaders, how hostile his enemies were, how much violence and abuse he took from those who hated him. So he experienced unrest both without and within, because think about the unrest of the Garden of Gethsemane. And the tension and the turmoil that was there. Father, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but your will be done. There was so much tension and unrest in the garden that the Bible tells us that he was sweating drops of blood. I mean, that's stress and anxiety and discord on a level that you and I have never experienced And he's doing it all for us out of love. Then think about him on the cross his thirst, his pain, his turmoil, his passion, his suffering. Then his declaration of the greatest work which has ever been done it is what? It's finished. (laughs) Boy, creation was finished and that was very good. What about the work of the new creation on the cross when that was finished and that was declared by God, well done, good and faithful servant to his son because up from the grave he arose and the resurrection was the declaration of the finished work of Christ and its beauty and its power and its saving sufficiency. Boy, his disciples were sure not at rest. But even though their hearts were sad, and even though their hearts misunderstood, and even though their hearts were at turmoil, the Bible says something amazing about them on Good Friday. Remember what they did on Good Friday at the end of the day? Luke 23 records it. Even though they were sad and disoriented and discouraged, it says about them That they rested on the Sabbath. Meaning Jesus' body was dead and in the tomb. They felt like their whole world was falling apart. But out of trust and obedience and hope in God, they rested on the Sabbath. But God continued to work. And what was the good, glorious work that after they rested on the sabbath on sunday morning what did they discover that god had done a new creation and a new day which completely transformed any kind of sabbath rest that they had ever experienced in obedience to the jewish law and that's why christian we worship on this day rather than The Saturday Sabbath. Because God has established and instilled a new day that's in Christ. A new creation that transcends the old covenant. A new day has dawned. The day of Christ. And the day of resting in His finished work. So they awoke to a new day and a perpetual rest that is found in Christ. Because He is not here. He is what? He is risen. He's risen indeed. Now, all that is to say that this is the rest that God had in mind from the beginning of creation. He had in mind the perpetual rest that you and I would enjoy in Christ. In Christ. Let me move to my next point. Now, let me remind us. This is a rest that God has achieved on our behalf that we could never find on our own. This is a work that takes place apart from us. Our works are all filthy rags, but His work is good and perfect. So, let me then give this aspect of His rest. There's the rest that God gives as a gift of faith. There's the rest that God gives as a gift of faith. Key word here is gift. Rest is something that you, you and I can't work ourselves into. Rest is something we receive as a gift, a gift of faith. Isaiah 57 reminds us that there are no rest for the wicked, that the wicked are like the tossing sea, always at turmoil. And this, so this is telling me that, Neil, apart from receiving rest in Christ... I can't find rest on my own. I've got to receive it. The Bible is clear about this in so many different dimensions, and so many different examples. In fact, there's a way in which the whole book of Ecclesiastes is about this. And you're saying, oh, now he's going to preach Ecclesiastes to go with Genesis. Well, let's think about Solomon. He was trying to find the most fulfilling life and how that happened. He tried knowledge and precepts, and he said, Look, if I can just just know everything that there is to know, then that will satisfy me, and I can finally be at rest. That didn't work. He tried pleasure. There was nothing that he did not keep himself from that was pleasing in the world, and that led to more unrest. That didn't work. Then he tried to possess everything. He says, i tell you what, I'll be satisfied and settled if I can just own everything that is is around me. And that didn't work. In fact, that increased his frustration. Then he tried projects, and you can read about his extensive projects, and that didn't work either. He didn't find peace and rest in any of those things. And his conclusion was, when all is settled, that the whole duty of man was to obey him and fulfill his commandments. Solomon pointed us from his personal unrest to resting in God. And that's exactly what Jesus has done in Matthew 11, which Mr. Ellis read earlier. And what did he read? Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Rest we receive from him. The rest of salvation and casting ourselves on the finished work of Christ because the law was the burden that we could not keep, which would never allow us to rest. But he took the law upon himself. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, and, and, and follow me, and you will find rest for your what? Your soul. Well, there it is. The invitation into daily rest. Not just Sabbath rest, but daily rest in the person of Christ. Resting in Him for salvation. And resting in Him for fulfillment and joy and hope along the way. Again, we sang about this earlier. When darkness seems to hide His face... I rest in His unchanging grace. Through every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds where? Within the veil. In relationship to Christ is found rest. So here's the warning. You can stay in the rat race, but even if you win the rat race, you are still a a rat. (laughs) Well, you said it, I didn't. He just called us rats. At Richard and Nancy's wedding, I had a conversation, Richard, with your neighbor, Ben Wilson. Ben Wilson was one of the drivers of the ATVs carrying us up and down the hill. Ben shared his personal testimony. He did not give me permission to use it, but I don't think he'll mind. I said, Ben, how in the world did you get down here where Richard Hunter lives? Glen, Georgia. Oh, he says, I'm from downtown Atlanta. I said, Downtown Atlanta. He had a detail shop in Buckhead. And if you own a detail shop in Buckhead, this family run, family oriented, uh, I think you probably do pretty well. That's just my my idea. And he said, it was just to just the, the continual rat race and turmoil and You know, Kyle Kane testifies about driving in that almost every week. He had to get out. You know the feeling. You can relate to that. Some people go into the city to find rest. They go the other direction because they don't like the peace and quiet. They don't like us who live out here, so they go the other direction. But I think what the Sabbath is telling us is that it's not locked to a place or a thing, but a person and time. That time is sacred, and the reason time exists is for us to relate rightly with God in time, and so that's why God came in Christ, is so that we can rest in our relationship with Him and not seek rest in all these other places that actually increase our frustration. And that's why Paul says, make the most of every opportunity you have. Because time is sacred. And use your sacred time, your day. Have you ever noticed no two hours are alike, no two days are alike, no two moments are alike? And all of our days and hours and moments are absolutely precious. They are sacred and we know that, but we need to be reminded of that so that in our time we will love God and love others and knowing how God has given us rest, inspires us to help other people in their unrest and in their suffering. And we want to be a part of alleviating people's suffering and misery as the church ministers grace, you minister grace to others. I'll close with one last thought. And that is the future eternal rest that God promises to His people. We will never find perfect rest on this earth nor in this life and God has made sure that this world will not be our Eden. Let me emphasize that because if you buy that lie you will forever be frustrated and miserable and you will not know why. It is God's work and if you rebel against it and refuse to surrender but try to create your own Eden here, Let me just say, the Bible says you are lining up against God every single day. And there's only one way to find that eternal, perfect rest that we seek, and that's to be sure that we're going to the new heaven and the new earth, which God has made apart from my contribution to it. Now, I get to participate, and there's some that I can participate in and add because well, I love this promise. Let me give you a promise to, to end the service on, and you heard the end the service on, and you said Amen. Okay, here it is. You know that seventh day feeling that God had? He wants to give to you complete satisfaction, complete joy and fulfillment, and it's coming. You know how it feels when somebody puts their arm around you and says, You know what? You did a great job. Can you imagine anything better than hearing from your master and creator? Listen, he promises this. Well done, good and faithful servant. I've had several people through the years tell me, You know what? I want you to read that at my funeral. Will you read that at my funeral, well done, good and faithful servant? And I get the idea. They're wanting to hear that said about their life over them and all they've done. How can a sinner like me, with so many flaws and so many incompleted projects and everything halfway done and nothing completely finished to to the perfect degree, how can God declare over me, well done, good and faithful servant? The only way is to see me in Jesus his beloved servant, who did very well. God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. And not just pardon me, but accept my works as good. And that's the other promise. I'm giving you two. Revelation fourteen thirteen. Listen to this, church. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on, says the Spirit. Here it is. That they may rest from their labor... For their deeds follow them. Well, there it is right there. Rest eternally in Christ, in the new heaven and the new earth, a real place and and a real time, which is eternity. Not diminishing the reality of that place and time that's coming. But meaningful work. Meaningful work, not wasteful work. The biggest waste of time, which is sacred, is sin and selfishness. But you live for Him, and you live for others. You will rest and your deeds, listen to this, they they will follow you. God rested on the seventh day, and when He did, He had all days in mind, including the perfect eternal rest that we will one day enjoy with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the new heaven and the new earth. The only way to enter that rest and daily rest is to surrender and to trust and obey and to trust His forgiveness to cover all the times and opportunities that you and I have wasted. And I'll remind you about that. His grace and His finished work is sufficient for that as well. Let's pray. Father, as we think about your work and your rest, we are grateful that we are invited by you to enter that rest, not just in eternity to come, but we can rest daily knowing that I am not working to earn the greatest gift that could ever be given, the gift of salvation, the gift of knowing you, the gift of living in this world. What a wonderful life and gift you make available to us. We don't add to that. But boy, you give us so much to work with. And as we work and as we toil, we're grateful for what you've blessed us to work with on a daily basis. Because we find fulfillment in our daily jobs. We find fulfillment in a job well done. And Father, you've commanded us to work and to work well and to work well for you and others. And to make this world a better place to relieve suffering, to relieve pain, to relieve hurt. Help us, Father, to enter into that kind of work, rest, rhythm, which you established in creation, which you've created us with in the fabric of our being and soul. God, thank you for worship. The fact that now we can sing a song like, It is well with my soul. Not because of who we are, Lord, but because who you are and who you've made us to be. May we sing this with joy and enthusiasm and grace and love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And I just told you, let's sing about it is well with my soul. Trusting in his work and grace, this is the, this is the condition we ought to be in. Let's, let's sing.
3: let us pray dear father we thank you so much for your love and your care for us lord it's so hard for us sometimes to realize what all you have done for us from the very beginning you created this entire earth for us You created everything in the the heavens for us. And you've done everything that you have done for us. Lord, we pray that somehow we can be thankful and return a small portion of what you've given us. And Lord, we just pray that it would be used to further your word as, as it goes forth. And we pray, Lord, as we look back on our lives that we can realize that we have not rested too much that we have had a desire to tell others about you and a desire to go out and speak with people and to minister to them in jesus name we pray amen